I want to start, uh, I want to share this morning about something called home base, and I want to just back it up a little bit. If you were listening or here last week, uh, Pastor Omri, as he got near the end of his sermon, started uh, to talk about this whole idea of having a home base. He was talking about the church and so on and so forth. Now, um, I, as I mentioned last week, and I'll repeat again, Pastor Armory did not know that I was going to be preaching on this particular uh, subject. Now, I know some churches, they plan out six months, even a year ahead of time, what they're going to say every Sunday, and, and, and they, they plan it out together. And if they have more than one preacher, they, they bounce off each other. So Pastor Armory and I, although we are related, uh, do not do that. We do not scheme it so it sounds like what I'm saying is the same thing as what he's saying. I get why some people do that, but we don't do that. So I think it's interesting that near the end of Pastor Armory's sermon last week, he began to focus in on this idea of home base when that was the very word that had come to me and I began preparing a uh, sermon based on this idea of home base. I think that's uh, very interesting and I think it causes me to pique my interest and pick up my ears. I hope it does for you as well. And I want to talk about this idea of having a home base. Um, now, when we think about homes, often uh, we think of what? We think of our house, right? Or apartment or, or wherever you happen to live, where you domicile, especially here in the West, okay? Um, especially with our capitalist ideals and our society values homes above almost anything. We just, we're now praying for a group of people who 48 families or 68 families lost their dwellings. And it's, listen, I understand it's important. Um, I'm certainly not anti-capitalist, but I do think there's some unhealthy level of obsession we have with our homes. You know, uh, the dream, most kids grow up with this idea of I'll own a home with a white picket fence and a couple of cars in the driveway and, you know, that sort of idea and some grass I can mow and all that stuff. Of course, once they get grass, they wish they could pay somebody to do it. Um, homes, homes are the most expensive and long-lasting purchase most people make. Okay, uh, so much goes into when we're looking for a home, isn't it? Val and I have been looking around a little bit, and I'm sure you have too, and you're like, oh, what schools are in the area? Is the area safe? Is it the right size? Are the neighbors okay? We, we put so much into it. And we have all these sayings that have seeped into our culture over the years. Uh, how many of you, my home is my castle. Ready? Uh, home is where the heart is. You've heard that one before? Or... As Dorothy taught us, there's no place like home. Of course, she was dreaming. I don't know what she was worried about. Um, we have all, it's in our culture, the idea of home is very, very steeped in, 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 in regardless of our backgrounds culturally or even economically, the idea of a home is still very important. And now, we just spent 18 months at home. The pandemic kept us all at home much more than we normally would have ever thought. And many of us had troubles adjusting to that. And now I'm starting to see, even talking to people, people are having, adjust, having a trouble adjusting back the other way, back to normalcy and back to a normal life. Friends of ours who are here this morning, they, went, they drove all the way outside of Montreal just to go to a restaurant last night because Montreal, it's not till tomorrow you guys can go to restaurants. But where I live, we can go to restaurants. And they went all the way out there and they were forced to wait for an hour for their food. Not, see, even the restaurants aren't used to this whole reopening. And certainly, you would never have to wait an hour at home for your food. But anyway, the idea is our culture is steeped in the idea of home. And how many of you remember, especially when you were kids, how many games involved home? Do you remember that? Home meant you're safe. Not it. Remember that? I touched base. I touched home base. I'm safe. 
Remember, you can't touch me. I'm, I'm doing bass. Anybody play that game when you were little? You know? Uh, there's a million different versions of that game. It's steeped in it. And of course, baseball, for those of you who know, is most interestingly, uh, is the most popular sport where you start at home and the goal is to get back home. Home base is literally where you start and the whole point of the game is to get back home. There's a funny George Carlin bit about how baseball and football are so different and he talks about that. So we're going to explore that idea. But as I mentioned, I think that whole idea of home can be a little bit unhealthy. And as we are created to be social creatures, we definitely know that we need communion and fellowship, right? So we can't just always stay at home or, or what we call our house. It's okay to be a homebody, of course. Some people are just naturally homebodies. And of course, some people, for health reasons, can't go out. Okay, that's fine. That makes sense. And that's not the focus. In fact, I want to talk about today how our actual home base should never be our home. So I can say it again. Our actual home base should never be our home. And in fact, in the New Testament, homes became a vessel used to build up the church. In fact, mostly the new churches were homes in the New Testament because they didn't have any buildings. The synagogues were kicking them out one by one. And so homes became where they had meals, worship, teaching, all taking place in the context of a house. Let's look at Acts 5.42. It's there. My... Uh, Screen froze. That's awesome. Acts 5.42. Every day in the temple, they were going from house to house. They did not cease teaching and preaching, just uh, preaching Jesus as the Christ. And so you can see, uh, before they ever acquired buildings, before they ever did anything interesting, uh, like building a cathedral or a modern building like this, churches were meeting in homes. Even today, around the world, in many cultures, people still meet in homes, okay? There's nothing wrong with that. But it's just to show you that a house doesn't have to stay a house, but really where our home base should be is not the house, but the church. Today, we're blessed to have whole buildings we can dedicate just to church. But I want, when I say the word church today, I don't want you thinking about the building, okay? The church is all of us, whether you're online, here, or not available today, and I think we saw this over the pandemic, didn't we? We really learned what it meant to be a church. Like, and how much bigger the church is than we really think. And I don't mean just transformation church, I mean the church. Everybody adjusted to this idea of not being allowed to meet. Whether we think it was right or wrong of the governments to do that is irrelevant. We learned a way to be church. Now, were we less the church because we didn't have a building to meet in? Well, the answer can't be yes, because they didn't have buildings to meet in. They met in their homes. Okay? So the church, when I say the church, people say, I'm going to church. I'm going to the church. They mean the building. But culturally, that's understandable, but it's actually not correct. Remember now, the church, as we're about to learn, is the body of Christ. Okay? So let's look at Colossians 1.18. I believe I have that there. He is also the head of the body, the church. And he, this being Jesus, is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. Okay, so if the church is the body of Christ and Jesus is the head of the body, the church is Jesus. And we are his body. Okay? Now, it's, that's, yeah, well, that's symbolic, Richard. Sure, it's symbolic. 
but symbolically it means that we are attached to Jesus, and we're one and the same. So if we're his church, we're his, and he is ours, and it says he is first place in everything. So, ipso facto, our home base should be where? A bunch of people just whisper church, and they're all wrong. Jesus is our home base. Okay? Yes, the church physically is a place where we gather to support and to be a central figure, a place in our lives, but it's Jesus. Everything. What did every first place in everything? Right? So it's wherever Jesus is, is home. Okay? And so hopefully Jesus is in the church. Look, look at 1 Corinthians 12 27. Now you are Christ's body, we just covered that, and individually members of it. I mean, pretty succinctly said there, right? If you're a Christian, you're a part of Christ's body, and individually you're members of it. And of course, corporately as well, you're the church. So not only corporately as a church are we part of Christ's body, each and every one of us is part of Christ's body. So our home base is the church, which is in a sense, in a very real sense, the church is Christ's body. So Jesus is the church, and he is the church, and our home base is Jesus. Amen? Okay, now things like home, work, school, your neighborhood, the rink, the restaurant. Okay, what are those? I would argue one thing. Our homes, okay, our houses, apartments, wherever you live, are more like forward operating bases. Okay, it's a military term. Anybody ever, anybody here serve in the military? No? Wow, we've been completely wrong. I'm sure some people. Okay, I did not either. A forward operating base, okay, is a secured forward operational level military position. So you'll have a main base, but then somewhere far off forward towards the enemy is a forward operating base where uh, some soldiers are stationed and some weapons are stationed and so on, and they're watching and they're existing out in the wilderness, out in the land between the home base and the enemy. Okay, so our houses are more like forward operating bases. You see, for example, you go to work, you're stressed, you get home, right? And of course, you know, the old, the old idea would be like, uh, gentlemen, you get home and your wife has dinner ready and your kids are, their homework's done and their teeth are brushed and they're, hello, father, and whatever. That day is dead, <laughs> right? I don't know if it ever really existed, but it certainly doesn't exist now, okay? But when you get home and you have that like, ah, right? I'm home, right? You have that sort of relaxing. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying that, yeah, certainly home is where the heart is. I'm not saying there's something wrong. What I'm saying as Christians, our actual home base is church. Your home is your home. You know, I hope you enjoy it and I hope it's going well for you there and I hope there's peace there, but it's more like a forward operating basis. These other places, work, school, neighborhood, the rink, the restaurant, these places, I call them the field of action. That's actually the battlefield. So is the house sometimes, <laughs> where you live out what you learn and experience in your home base. Okay? Do you remember those places, folks? Who? I mean, I've been going to work every day since this pandemic started. But has anybody here not has been working from home rather than normally going to work? Yeah. Okay. One, two. Okay. A few people. How many people have? Uh, well, the kids have been going to school, but they're in bubbles, right? And they can't mix and they can't sit with other people and so on. Um, the, you know. Nobody's played sports for a very long time. How many people have not been to a restaurant since last since 2020? Anybody? Right? 
A lot of people haven't been to a restaurant, right? We almost forget what it's like. But when you're out there, that's where you live the values and the experiences that you got back at the home base. You know, we know this from children, don't we? We've got some pregnant ladies in the house, so you, this is for you guys, okay? <laughs> Have you ever seen a kid that's brought up, uh, shall we say, in a unique way? They don't know the norms of society. Like, for example, they don't know about waiting your turn. Or they don't know about asking for things politely. When you see somebody like that, a child like that, acting out at a restaurant or acting out at an amusement park or acting out in the neighborhood, what do you normally say? You turn to your spouse and go, yikes, who brought that kid up? What did that kid learn and experience back at the home base, at the home, that when they're out here, they don't know a simple thing like, wait your turn? Right? You ever, <laughs> you ever see a seven-year-old kid drop an F-bomb? I have. I remember one time, I think was I with Val or my mother, and a 12-year-old turned and said to it was my mom. A 12-year-old turned to his mother and said, you're such a B. In public, in front of everybody. It took all my mother, I had to hold back my mom. <laughs> you're not allowed to correct him. <laughs> but what, listen, that 7-year-old who drops the F-bomb, the 12-year-old who calls his mother a female canine, don't blame the movies. Don't blame the internet. That is what they've been trained and experienced at home base. Don't blame the child. They are a child. Can I just drop a little one? I'm adding in now. When your kid doesn't want to come to church, don't blame society. That's not why they don't want to come to church. The church is the place for corporate worship, engagement, formation, and fellowship. I'm going to say that again. People don't write notes anymore, but if you did, that would have been a good one. The church is the place for corporate worship, encouragement, formation, and fellowship. Another word for formation is training. So what we learn, experience in our church home base should come out of us when we go out to the restaurant, the rink, the neighborhood, work, etc. The whole raison d'etre. The whole reason of the home base existing is so, in fact, we don't stay there. That's what's different between a church, home base, and your house. Like in baseball, you start at home plate, and your whole goal is to get back to home plate. In the church home base, you start at home, and your whole goal is to go out. And you come back every once in a while to get recharged. Remember the Great Commission? Jesus said in Matthew 24, 28, excuse me, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you to the end of the age. That's the Great Commission. See, Jesus is always about going, sending, going, sending. He's saying, go get trained, go get, go get, this is later, he's talking about, go get the Holy Spirit, and then go, do something. Uh, we see this repeated all the time. Right? You'll notice this verse and the next one I share a lot. Go put the Ephesians 1 up there, Tyler. Christ gave himself, sorry, Christ himself gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip, train, form his people for works of service so the body of Christ may be built up. So that verse encapsulates what I'm saying. The whole point of having a church home base is not so that you get big and strong and whatever, which is great and healthy. That's too as part of it. But it's so that then you go out and do the works of service. 
What are works of service? Good works out there in the world. The Bible tells us God has prepared good works in advance for us to do. But we can't do those good works if, we don't, if we're not trained, if we're not formed, if we're not built up. So the whole reason the church exists, and by the way, apostles, prophets, etc., are church leaders. Why do they exist? To equip people, to train people, to form people, so that they can do what? Sit at church and feel comfy and hold, and sing, hold hands and sing kubaya? No. So that they can say, look how strong we are in our base. We're strong in our home base. Look at us. No. It's so that they go out into the world and do works of service and be different out there in the world. So, now, what is works of service? I put here, I wrote this the other day, equals stuff you do out there. I don't know. Insert blank. It seems maybe like a contradiction, but maybe it sounds better if I say it like this. The church, which is the body of Christ, is home base, so that you can go into the world to invite others back to your home base. So really, home base is where we are safe, where we learn, where we are sent out. But Jesus is the church, and he is the one who's given that command. Now, I want to cross a bridge here that's important to cross. I recognize that not all churches fulfill their mission. Some churches aren't safe. Some churches aren't helpful. Some churches are actually evil. That grieves the Holy Spirit of God. And believe me, God will not be mocked. The Bible does not have kind words for people who mislead and hurt vulnerable people. I want to show you one. Let's go to Matthew 18, 6. It says, If anyone causes these little ones, he's talking about children, those who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Who said this verse? Anyone want to take a guess? This is Jesus speaking. Meek and mild, lovely Jesus who said, Anybody who hurts children... In the end time and judgment, it would be better for them to tie a, a stone around their neck and jump in the ocean. God will not be mocked. Now, judgment may be delayed, but judgment delayed is not judgment deferred. Okay? Doesn't mean it's not going to happen. There's a few more I wanted to share with you, just to understand what happens. For such men, he's talking about false teachers, are false apostles. Remember before we talked about apostles being chosen? He says there are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it's no surprise if his servants also disguise himself. Listen to what it says here in 2 Corinthians. Their end will correspond to their deeds. Now remember, when you're saved by grace, God looks at your sin and says, I remember it no more. Even if you have a mountain upon mountain of sins, it does not matter. You're free and saved by the, love of grace, by the love of God. But if you're outside the grace of God and all those evil deeds, their end will correspond. There will be a judgment according to what was done. Scary stuff. Second Peter, there's more. The false prophets who arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you who secretly bring in destructive heresies. Oh, there's a lot of those right now. Even denying the Jesus who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. Now, you might say, Richard, well, you're talking about them, you're putting the finger. Listen, any teacher worth their salt should remember this scripture from James. Do I have it there? Did I put it there, the James one? Okay, James 3, 1. Listen to what it says. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Now, why am I saying that? I'm saying that because I want you to know that I take that verse seriously, and it frankly scares me. 
And I think it should. And if it doesn't scare somebody, they're not reading it properly. So be, by becoming a teacher of the church, I am ad, literally allowing myself or saying, I, I know I will be judged more strictly than Harry and Sally. Harry met Sally, by the way. That was a movie joke. Okay. So you see, I take it seriously. I understand that God takes it seriously. And yes, not every, but not every home base is healthy. Okay? But at the end, I, why I diverted there is I, I understand. People say, well, the church has hurt me. I've been hurt by people in the church. Listen, it happens. You know, I've told stories even myself. I grew up, my father was an elder in the church and then became a pastor and, you know, Val is the same sort of situation. And we've had people say hurtful, mean, stupid things. Sometimes it's because they don't mean it. Sometimes it's because they do mean it. Whatever. Okay? Things are going to happen. Okay? But it doesn't mean that God's not paying attention and that God's not going to sort it out. Okay? All right. So we, we covered that. So we go back now. So God has called us to go into all the world and preach the gospel. So really what being a church as a home base is actually an invitation into the family of Jesus. That's what's actually happening. That's what Jesus actually does. The church is the body of Christ. So it's his body. It's his family. And he's actually inviting each and every person, everybody who can hear my voice, into the family of God. So let's look at uh, John. I believe I have it. I no longer, 1515, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. Jesus is inviting us in to the family, inviting us into the inner circle. See, a servant doesn't know his master's business. Now listen, I'm a senior manager in my company, okay? But I am not one of the executives. So frankly, they're having conversations about business decisions that I have no idea what's happening. And then there's the level at which I'm involved in the discussions and the people that work for me do not know. Okay? So for example, a silly example would be like, well, are we going to do summer hours this summer? Summer hours, a lot of companies, they'll end early on Fridays, right? Now that's a decision that usually I get asked for because HR falls under me. And then I will speak to the executives and we have a chat, whatever. But until I tell people what the decision is, 250 people are waiting, is there going to be summer hours? They won't know until I, oh, I am now telling you, right? That's what God's saying. It's not like that. Jesus is saying it's not like that. When you're in now, my family, you know everything. Because now you're part of my family. I've made everything known to you. Everybody, it's not like there's a home base, and I, this can happen in churches, and you don't want it to happen. It's not like a home base where there's a special elite squad of Christians, and then there's a, you know, oh, those are the young ones, so they have more energy, so we'll give them more to do, and those are the older ones, they're more serious, so we'll pay more attention to them. There's not like that. Everybody is equal. Everybody is part of the family. There's no special class of person. The Bible calls us co-heirs. Okay, so it's an important word. Let's look at the next verse, Galatians uh, 3.29. And if you are in Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. Okay, this is, this is like a really deep theological thing that I'm going to try and cover very quickly. Okay, but basically, if you believe in Jesus, all of the promises that God gave Abraham are now part yours. Okay? Well, what were the promises made to Abraham? I'm going to summarize them for you. This could be a whole month of sermons, but all nations will be blessed by Abraham and his seed. True. All Abraham and his seed are possessed the land forever. That's all. Abraham is to be the father of innumerable amount of people. Abraham is to be the father of a singular seed that will conquer the world. That's Jesus. Through Jesus, Abraham's lineage, Jesus was born. Okay? So 
All of these things now are true to us. You say, wait a second, uh, isn't Abraham the father of like the Semitic people? Yes, but in the spirit, spiritually speaking, the Bible tells us now we are all part of that promise. Okay? Each and every person. So basically what he's saying is we're all part of the family. It gets a little more legal and technical. Let's look at the next one. Okay? John, again. Uh, sorry. Okay, go back to the last one so I don't confuse people. Don't look at Romans. Nobody look. Okay, now. Okay, this one. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. See, we're saying it's not natural. This isn't, it's a supernatural thing. So somehow this pasty Welsh guy over here and those Pakistani people over there and those Africans over there and that Asian over there and everybody are part of the same family. All Abraham's children because Abraham is God's child. We're all God's children. Right? So regardless of race or ethnicity or wealth or whatever, we're all part of God's family. We have all literally been chosen by God. So I'm going to do a cheesy Pentecostal thing now. Take your finger like this, put it in the air. If you're at home, you have to do this too. Okay? And then point it at yourself like this. Stick it in your chest and say, that, you got to stick it in your chest like that, KB. Okay. And say, and you have to say it. You're going to feel uncomfortable. You're going to have to say, I'm chosen by God. You are. Bob, you are chosen too. Why? Because look what it says here. Now you can show them. Wait, no, you can't. I don't want that one. Wait. Romans 8 tells us this, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. The Spirit that you get doesn't make you a slave, so you live in fear. The Spirit you got brings you adoption to sonship. We are all adopted to sonship and daughtership in God. Amen? The Bible tells us, later on it says, for we are heirs, H-E-I-R, okay? Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. So basically, Jesus inherits all of the kingdom. Jesus inherits everything from God the Father because of his sacrifice on the cross. And he then says, I'm now signing you up as a co-heir. Even though you did nothing, even though you deserve nothing, I'm signing you up. I'm going to the bank and I'm signing the papers. I'm putting on that even though everything is mine, I'm giving everything to you as well. That's what Jesus did. Okay, that's the idea. So we are home with God our Father, co-heirs to the promise with Jesus. We are family, and that's the invitation we all have. You can come home again, or home for the first time. I'm thinking as we head into the summer and we start mixing again, we need to just focus on some things, okay? So I think you all got that message. Let's go to Romans, the last one now. Thanks, Tyler. Romans 15. May the God who gives you endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude and mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had. Stop. What attitude and mind did Christ Jesus have to, uh, towards us? He brought us home. He made us co-heirs. He loved us despite what our problems were. He loved us. Okay, so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify God and Father and our Lord Jesus Christ and accept one another. Then just as Jesus Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Seems a bit like of a left turn, but what I'm saying is, as we come now, um, a lot of us haven't spent a lot of time with people <laughs> over the last 15, 16 months, and we're going to start uh, mixing in and seeing each other again. Amen. Next week we're allowed 100 people, and a few weeks after that we'll be allowed full. Okay, um, it's it's good, it's great. So some of you maybe feel like coming to church is like coming back home, but I want you to think more like you're coming back to your home base. 
okay? A home base where we learn, we grow together, we encourage each other, and then we go out again, okay? The, 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 I was just talking about before the service, and I'm going to add it in the sermon because I thought about it. I want the church to be like a Cracker Barrel. You guys ever been to a Cracker Barrel? Okay, Cracker Barrel is a restaurant, okay? It's the best, okay? It's in the States, and it's on the highway, okay? And what it is, it's southern comfort food. And so if you're driving from, let's say, Montreal to Florida, you can pretty much stop at every meal at <laughs> Cracker Barrel if you want. You could never eat anywhere else. And you go in there, and they're, they're friendly, and there's some nice stuff, and there's good food, and you feel good, and then you, you leave, and then you go on your way. I think that is a good idea for the church to be, like, like, like a Cracker Barrel, okay? Where we come in, we get fed by the Word of God, we encourage each other, we were nice to each other, maybe buy a souvenir on the way out. No, that's a restaurant, that's a Cracker Barrel. But, and you get in there, and sometimes you can rest. Cracker Barrel has these lovely rocking chairs. You can buy them, but you can just sit outside and play checkers and rest. You can do that at church sometimes. Kick up a rocking chair and rest. But eventually you get back on the road and you get back at it. Okay, and that's, that's what I'm kind of like thinking in my head, right? As we get back to each other and we start mixing with each other again. Now, during the pandemic, for good or for bad, you've seen my face and heard my voice more than most. But you know that's going to change, right? As things, everybody starts coming back together again. And uh, you know what's going to start happening? We're going to start annoying each other again. Do you remember that, being annoyed by people in person? <laughs> Lately, we've been just annoyed by people on TV, right? Or the same, you know, they ever watch, it's like watching Canadian TV and they show the same commercial 40,000 times and you're just like, Aren't, isn't there anything else to sell me? Sell me something else! Right? We're going to get like that. Remember this. We need to have the same attitude to each other that Christ Jesus had. Okay? Accept one another just as Christ accepted us. Because it's going to get interesting. I already I said it last night at the prayer meeting. I, I warned you about this. Now that the pandemic's ending, crime is skyrocketing, okay? Not because people are just all generally evil. People are free again and don't know what to do with themselves. That's the truth. They don't know what to do with themselves. That's why they had to shut the old port down. It's overrun by gangs, okay? Like it's, it's, it's human nature is displaying itself. And we, in our witness as Christians, need to say, hey, come, on, come check out my home base. This is where we learn and we grow together and whatever, and then we get out there again. Are you ready to, now you've had your training in the home base, okay, whether you're at home, home, or here, and then you go out into the world, to the rink, to the restaurant, to work, to neighborhood, to school, whatever, and you bring the love and message of Jesus Christ with you. That's what it's all about. Have the same mind to everybody else that Jesus Christ had for you. Amen? So I hope you um, are encouraged by the message of the home base. As Pastor Armory sort of mentioned, I'm so looking forward to next week having at least 100 people here. It will be important that you pre-register, so we're going to ask you online and I'll obviously call around and maybe text around. If you're here today and you want to register for next week, could you? Uh, Bob's got a lovely mint green t-shirt on. You can't miss him, okay? Uh, so can you just let him know today so that I don't have to chase you uh, throughout the week and we'll know that the 25 or so that are here will be here next week. If you're online and you want to come, please let us know. You can message us, uh, whatever. We will still be streaming everything every week, even if we're back to normal, okay? Uh, but in the meantime, I just encourage you to just uh, find your home base. If you don't have a home base church, if you're listening to us and you don't have a home base church, you're welcome to join Transformation. If you live in a different city, let us know where you live and we'll find you a church uh, over in that city as well. All right, so thanks very much for everybody. Have a great week and God bless you.